0: Welcome to the 80s and 90s Uncensored, the podcast about the 80s and 90s for people who care about that kind of crap. I am Milo Denison. And I'm Jamie Fenderson. And today we're talking about our favorite albums from the 80s, Mm -hmm. which is hard to do because there's a lot. And we are joined on this adventure by Suzanne Mataboni, who is an... Yeah, there got Applause. Oh, uh, so she's uh, recently published a book called Once in a Lifetime. She's written for 17 Huffington Post, Mysterious Ways, uh, Best LA Parent, Chicken Soup of the Soul, on and on and on. So just a, a fantastic uh, writer to be with us. And... She clearly loves the 80s and you would know this if you read Once in a Lifetime, which I have. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the book, Suzanne.
1: Uh, well, let's see. That's, that was a nice intro. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Once in a Lifetime is a uh, women's fiction coming of age type of thing uh, set in the 1980s, as you said, in 1984. Uh, and it's about a very uh, artsy, headstrong uh, protagonist. She's a uh, an art student, and um, her and her uh, avant garde crew of uh, college buddies uh, go ahead and um, take off in into a restaurant town in Pennsylvania in order to raise money for her like dream college semester in uh, in London. Because during during the eighties, you know, it was a big uh, uh, New Wave type of uh, Milo going on, and and all these characters are very swept up in that, and kind of define themselves through it. So all the new wave music and and pop and art that was going on at the at the time, uh, is uh kind of how they are uh, characterizing themselves and what they're relating to. So, uh, the main character who is named Jessica. Uh, wants to start her life and can't wait to get out there where all the excitement is happening and can't afford this dream program in London. So uh, so that's how they kind of end up in a tourist town trying to make money and having all sorts of adventures and uh, you know love interests and uh, that kind of thing as they're going forward. Um, because when she starts out, uh, she finds that she's so ambitious that she's kind of alienating uh men in her life and it's affecting her relationships so her longtime boyfriend says hey we can't do this we have to see other people and she's kind of out there floating on her own since you know she was about 17 uh so now she's 20 and out there finding you know new love with kind of a shiny new boyfriend who's a new wave guitarist and kind of sees where that goes and you know it still starts to get into that cycle of well you're leaving well why doesn't the relationship come first? And, you know, I, I think this was a the theme in the eighties for girls who were finally told, Hey, you can get out there and you can do whatever you want. You can go to college. You can have love and and romance and education and respect and, and friendships and everything. You can mm-hmm. have it all. Uh, then you go out there and you try and get it all. And then that's when all the kind of craziness happens and you hit different walls and have to realize that, you know, you have a long way to go to get all the things that you want. So that's a couple of the themes in the book.
0: New Wave is cool, though.
2: I I, I would like if I think about what I would want to do, I would want to be a college student in London, like in the New Wave scene. That's rad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. And it's uh, it was kind of the place to be, you know, where everything was was coming out of that. Uh, um, that seemed really exciting. Uh, and I don't know, she kind of feels like Nothing's exciting enough for her. Like the country, the country she lives in is not exciting enough for her. She has to get out there and and find what's really going on in in the world. And she sort of is realizing that she's starting to learn that as she's out in New Hope in this town with people who are, you know, have a very uh, wide range of, of lifestyles. It's a very kind of progressive, open minded town. And really, that's what she wants is to get out of that college bubble and start living and uh, she has a very, you know, creative aesthetic that she's into and in hooking up with uh, a new wave guitarist that appeals to her because he's very, you know, artsy and creative. And this is why I wanted to become a musician. And uh, so uh, it's hard not to be pulled in by that. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a, there, that's where a lot of the conflict come from, comes from, folks, seeing where that relationship goes and how it kind of plays against the one that she is still kind of coming out of.
0: It kind of plays on the 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 dynamic too of uh, of the guys being really into her and her being conflicted about it uh, versus just the guys. in often you you get the male is just kind of like ah whatever I'm just looking for a fling kind of thing like that. To whereas in this case, the guys are the opposite. They're looking like uh, very into yeah. serious relationship type stuff.
1: That's, well, that's kind of the, the thing I think. You kind of imagine, or at least his character imagined that maybe that would be appealing for guys Mm. to kind of feel like, all right, I'm just here for the summer. Let's see what happens. Let's have, you know, let's have fun. And you know, not to say that she didn't have, you know, wasn't looking to be serious with with, you know, any kind of relationship, but I think maybe naively she kind of felt like, well, this should be the ideal relationship for for some, for, for, you know, for a guy, but you know, you underestimate people, you know, the guys turn out to have feelings too, but, and sometimes those feelings run more like, well, I come first, let's, you know, let's get things in line. And maybe it's not worth it for them if they can't be that, you know, nobody wants to be second to anything, even someone's ambition, someone's ex, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody Mm -hmm. wants to be second. So there's
0: a lot of music references in the book. Did you find yourself when you would make a reference, then having to look up and see when that song came out to be like, okay, was this out prior to 1984 or did it come out after?
1: I, I did make sure that all the songs that they referenced as taking place during the narrative did not come out before that time. Period. Uh, there is, there are song references throughout at the beginning of each chapter Mm-hmm. which to me is just kind of like framing the story. You know, it's this cu- cute little thing that happens. There are maybe two songs that came out a little bit later than uh, than the narrative that are the chapter headings because they were, you know, probably literary-wise, they were more appropriate for that particular chapter. But yeah, I did make sure that everything that that happened within the story, those songs are true to that time frame. And when people were listening to music at that time, Uh, It was a strange phenomenon where, you know, because this kind of punk scene sort of started in the late 70s, uh, once people started really going a little bit more mainstream, we didn't consider ourselves mainstream at the time, but you found out a lot more, uh, you found out you love such and such a band and then realized they had like three, four or five albums that had been out in the years before Mm -hmm. that you didn't know about. Mm -hmm. So sometimes... Uh, people were listening to things in 1984 that really were from 1980 or 1981 or 1979, which like, 70, yeah. it's not really the same, uh, I think, dynamic now. Like something comes out and you listen to it and it's, you know, the hot thing. It's not like, oh, let's go back to their early albums, you know?
0: Well, speaking of music, of course, the subject of today's episode is 80s era albums that, uh, stand the test of time or just top albums from the eighties because back in the day bands released an album of yeah. songs with the idea that people would listen to the whole thing whereas now they just release singles because they know you're going to download the one song that you like
2: But you had to <laughs> buy the album if you wanted that one song too or you had to try yeah. to record it off the radio but then you get the dj the asshole dj like talking like at the beginning and end of it Right. But you had to you, you had to buy a whole album for that one song. That's mm-hmm. why some albums kind of suck because there's like one song on it that you loved. And then the rest of them kind
0: of suck. So since you're the guest, we will make you go first. We'll make Jamie go first. And we each brought a album that we think stands the test of time and is a great album. Uh, we don't know what the others picked. So, Jamie, what is your choice?
2: You, you know which one I'm going to pick, dude. I'm going it, to pick the obvious one. Crappy.
0: No, it's not. <laughs> it's Thriller. Michael music.
2: Jackson's Thriller. <laughs> released November 3rd, 1982. This this was Michael Jackson's big thing. 1982, he came out with Thriller. And he had the Thriller not long after. He had the Thriller uh, uh, video, music video, which was amazing. Thriller, the song was amazing. Um, and it was just a huge, huge album. And this is one that I would actually buy the whole thing and be okay with. I'd be okay with all 42 minutes and 16 seconds of this awesomeness <laughs> because there's so many good songs. What other songs are on that album? Let me let me give you some other good song called Thriller, because obviously Thriller is on the it. title song, yeah. And right, which is a great song, right? And then it had um, all these other ones like I wanna be starting something, got to be starting something, right? It had beat it, beat it. was so good. It had. Oh, Billy beat it Jean. was on Thriller. Oh, yeah, and so I thought that was a different album. Billy Jean. Okay. They also had awesome music videos, right? Mm-hmm. Pyt, right? Pretty young thing. I mean, it's just it's it's a great, awesome. It's just it's great. I love Thriller, dude. I love Michael Jackson. So, I mean, what else can I say about that? It's Michael Jackson's Thriller. There's nothing else to
0: say. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. <laughs> I'm not for Drum
1: that. on. <laughs> <laughs> Want to be starting something is probably one of my favorite dance songs from the 80s. That was a hot song. <laughs> yeah, it's a good dance song. <laughs> yeah, now, of course, I think it was kind of uh, a little derivative of what was the. Um, can't Stop Till You Get Enough, mm-hmm. which was from a couple of years before. They were both very similar. But they were both, like, you put them on, and, you know, I dare you not to dance to those, either of those. They're amazing. <laughs> I guess that's
0: the sign of a good song if you, like, no matter what year it is or what era, and you put it on, and you're like, yeah, I can still dance to this. I'm getting jiggy with it. And...
1: I worked out to it now. <laughs> it was different than, like, the club scene. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, Suzanne, uh, what is uh, your choice? We'll let you go next.
1: Okay. Well, you know, as we've acknowledged, I'm kind of a new wave girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, my, I think the best album of the eighties was tears for Fears' songs from the big chair. which was huge. It happened in 1985 and like the middle of the decade, just kind of almost marked like the peak of that whole new wave scene right around there. It was, it was, uh, you know, early in the year. So it kind of made, you know, it made for a nice midpoint, I think for, for the eighties it had like every song on there uh, practically was, was pretty popular. And uh, at least I remember hearing it on the radio. Everybody wants to rule the world. I think is one of the best songs of the eighties. That's and a great that's, song. It, you know that uh, it is, and it. I think it kind of uh, it just leads the way. Like when you when I think of the eighties, that's I, I think of that song. And the fact that th- these songs were then all over MTV because it was kind of hitting its heyday. Some also Michael Jackson, of course, like like you said, if this was around the same time. And I remember a lot of these videos, you know, being played within, you know, similar um, uh, timeframes, which were, you know, my college years, let's say. Uh, Shout yes. is on there, which was huge, which I only found out recently is, is about like, Scream primal scream therapy, you know, like it's like the whole album is kind of go ahead, um, go ahead, love, shout, yeah, go ahead, love, shout. <laughs> let, let it all out, love, yeah. it's okay, just let it all
2: out, you'll yeah. feel better. Beautiful,
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, I didn't really think of that at the time, I was just wow, this really sounds cool. Uh, and I would, you know, put this album on and just bounce off the walls with some of these songs. Uh, there's a song called Broken that or at Mother's Talk, which kind of like, you know, they like a couple of songs meld into each other. So there's a combination of Mother's Talk and Broken, which is a lot of it is, it is instrumental until you get kind of into the middle of it. And then they have, you know, a bit of singing that they do, but it's kind of break breakneck speeds, you know, fun electronic music and, and such. And, you know, it just really keeps you going. Um, Head Over Heels was on here. I think that was a big hit also. You know, there, there's maybe just a couple of slower things that go on in the background, and there's not that many. Like eight songs. Like remember the albums in the '80s? If you had like ten songs on an album, that was a yeah. big album. You know, that was a lot of content. Then when you moved into the '90s, everybody was doing CDs. You didn't have to fit like on twenty-four
2: plus. songs. Right. Yeah, no problem right. on there.
1: Just like go on and on and on. So that's right. This only had you know, eight like songs said, on it. And,
2: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, was okay back the then, right?
1: Right, because it was kind of. Like I said, curated. So it was an experience they wanted you to have, not just here's a bunch of songs, listen, run with them. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm.
0: what I loved about albums like that exactly. Is there, you put it at the beginning and then you listen to it through the end because you're getting that whole story and that curated experience. All right, well, my choice uh, is going to be right at the end of the 80s, actually. 1989, May 2nd, The Cure came out with Disintegration. It's best enjoyed on a rainy day at home, lying on the floor, staring at the ceiling, wondering what the hell you did with your life. You put The Cure <laughs> Disintegration on from beginning to end. And that is what one of those things that makes this a great album. Um, he He wrote a lot of the songs, kind of he was in kind of a depressed stage at the time he was doing a lot of hallucinogenics um they had Uh, Robert Smith yeah, Robert Smith. They'd done some kind of poppy stuff and they were like, okay, let's get back into this more serious dark stuff. He was turning 30, so he was feeling all depressed about that. So um, you know, gosh, I remember feeling depressed about turning 30 so many years ago. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> Logan's right, man. It doesn't get better.
1: You keep going toward, you know, the other decades of your life. <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> um, it's their highest-selling album to date. It was number 116 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, it just starts off with Plain Song, which is the opening song. And you get like this synthesizer guitar music that goes in. It's a five minute long song. And it's not till like two and a half minutes into that song where he actually starts singing. You know, you just get this mm-hmm. melancholy music that just kind of da da da, and it's moody and dark. And then it kind of picks up a little bit with pictures of you and but he's still kind of heartbroken and kind of sad and then you get into you know love song i'm trying to think some of the other ones i've got it here actually pictures of (laughs) of you love song he has one called prayers for rain so you know it's pretty melancholy right it's the best (laughs) well like a lot of the songs have rain sound effect in them which makes it fantastic and that was also when um tim pope was directing a lot of their music videos and so you had a lullaby which was like him just lying on this bed like all white-faced and covered in cobwebs and the spider thing eating him and stuff and it's just great great era for their um, music videos as well uh so that's why i'm going uh the cure disintegration
2: yeah, that's a good one. If if you're a, from where we're from, like January in Seattle, you're just kind of <laughs> like you haven't seen the sun in three months. You're like, "Bam, disintegration." We're popping it in. We're feeling this, man. <laughs> we're going I for it. I love the cure. Yeah,
1: I love the it cure. Was great. I think, yeah, I had I had um, an album called "Head on the Door," which was maybe from a couple of years before, which I, I really loved. But I have heard like people on you know Facebook in the new wave groups and such say things like disintegration saved my life mm. you know like people are really emotionally connected to that particular album i think yeah
0: i definitely. think i am i mean i i've listened to that album so much and i remember being in 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 high school listening to it and uh that's you know when i'm my emotional moody era in life and it's kind of like uh yeah it was yeah i love that album and and i agree and yes it is kind of Melancholy and depressing, but it does in a weird way make you feel better when you are feeling depressed. You know, you're like, oh, right. you
1: 'You're feeling like you're not alone, that someone else is having these feelings and made this amazing music out of it.' You know, that's yeah. how I always looked at the cure and how people just love this really gothic morose music, you know, but it it somehow uplifted them yeah. anyway.
2: Because it's okay to be the if you're depressed, be like just be depressed and work through it. You don't need to like put on happy sunshine
0: crap right <laughs> you're depressed yeah. you don't want to you, you want to put on some melancholy stuff and f- feel your way through it right all right let's jump in we each brought two albums so luckily no no duplicates so far uh jamie what is your second album so w-
2: we were talking about prayers for rain but how about prayers for purple rain prince mm. purple rain
1: wow so right. you went Michael Jackson
2: yeah. yeah, because the Purple Rain was great. It had a Love movie that, that was pretty good. Came out with, with the after the, the album. Uh, but this came out in 84 in, in summer of 84. And it's got a whole buttload of songs. It's got the When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, I would that for you. Um, it's got it's got it just got a this is another one of those those albums that um they it just has like all the songs are good, right? this is what I like about this album too, is like, it's, you're not just buying the album for one or two songs. You, you can buy the, you can buy it for all the songs and you, and you're cool. Right. Um, and I don't know. Prince is just fun. Like after you're done, like getting depressed and stuff with the cure and you want to come out of your, your cave a little bit, <laughs> you play some purple rain and, and maybe like pucker up a little bit and it's poppy, but not annoyingly. So I think it, I think it's still like, it's still, it's still valid today. Like you can listen to it today and it's not bad or weird. It's just as poppy and fun today as it was back then. So, and I like the movie too. It's a, it's kind of a cheesy movie, but I dig it. It's a very 1984 thing, but uh, the, some of these have been made uh, remade again. Like these are inspiration for remakes. Like, I think there's a number of when doves cry remakes, like artists are constantly redoing this particular song. Cause it's a good
0: song. So there's again, a blue- there's a good rendition of it on the um, Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, actually, yeah. that um, that a kid sings, uh, kind of a cappella style, if I remember correctly. That I really like.
2: Yeah, and and he's got purple with a motorcycle on the cover, and he's got
1: his purple wacky Prince. Yeah, out. well, and if you're thinking about the '80s, I think it's hard not to say that Prince was one of the most iconic artists. And it, I think it doesn't, you know, We I was mentioning that you kind of define yourself in the 80s by what music you listen to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Prince, I think everybody just listened to. Like even if, if you were, like you said, if you were goth, you're going to still sit yeah. and listen to Purple Rain and One uh, Dove's Cry. And uh, Yeah, or if
2: you're a <laughs> rocker dude and yeah, you're like Metallica like, and then Prince, that's fine too. I'm cool. That's
1: right. Nobody kind of excused themselves from that, from Prince. Just everybody just danced to Prince, everybody. So it was really upsetting to lose him not too long ago. Everybody left Prince. He's an amazingly talented guy (laughs) or was
0: yeah yeah i mean i guess like I, I don't remember the statistic on it uh we we had a prince episode in the past on the show and we talked about like the number of songs that he wrote over his lifetime is just phenomenal that that he's got a vault in in princeland there that, that has all these unreleased songs and, and
2: he wrote a bunch for other big artists yes. and he wrote a yeah, bunch of their true. songs
0: too and his ability to play multiple instruments so very talented guy all right suzanne uh what's your next album
1: Ah, OK, well, I, I just want to confirm that 1980 counts. Yes, because I've heard <laughs> different arguments as to whether you have to start with the one instead of June the first
2: 1980 to December 31st. 1999.
1: Okay. All right. When well, then uh, I'm kind of a uh, freak for the police. Uh, in 1980, the album "Zenyata Mandata came out. And I still kind of find it hard to find an album that I think is better than that. Um, uh, Unless it's another police album, but they got a little poppy after after that. So I go with this one because it still has more of like a rough underground kind of feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think um, it's got songs on here, like don't stand so close to me and uh, da, do, 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 da, da, da. -da." And uh, just a, a lot of other songs that, you know, you have to sit and, and listen and they're all like the little underground gems that maybe are were never going to make it to, you know, the pop stations, which in 1980 was it was hard to get to hear these songs. You know, they, they really didn't hit the the mid market, let's say, until a little bit later in the decade. It was still kind of, you know, alternative, I guess. But if you go out and buy the album, you know, you kind of feel like it's your secret, you know, like you will own it a little bit more than those albums that were out there for everybody. So uh, I just love this album, the, the, um, the color scheme of it. If you ever took a look, it's just these bright, like, orange and indigo and you know things that are completely opposite on the color wheel just completely oversaturated uh the three of them look great i was really (laughs) interesting it was amazing it's got that very
2: Uh, black and yellow thing that came back in this like this seattle style in the 90s actually yeah it reminds me of like that yeah the album cover is really cool Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it, it definitely is and you know i kind of miss. It makes you miss when they would do cool album art. You know, it's not nearly there's no importance to album art or, you know, cover art these days. It's not, there's no no, business business. business anymore. And I still know people who will take the albums and pin them up on their Walls, you know, you used to be able to go into a record store and and see them all like a mosaic up on the walls. It was terrific.
0: Yeah. And when I think 80s, I definitely think the police, I mean, they had so many hits throughout the 80s that you can't argue with that one. All right. I'm going to jump into my last one. And it's very different from my first one. I'm going to go released in 1987, Hysteria by Def Leppard. So I know this is going to be a very different choice because they've designed this album around singles right? They, they, they actually said, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. we want every song on this thing to be a single and we want yeah. them all to be hits. And seven of them were. Seven were released in the United States. Uh, stuff like Love Bites, Pour Some Sugar On Me, which I think was the big success one on that. This album was made after their drummer got in a car wreck and uh, lost his arm. So he kind of developed his technique for playing with one arm. And it was my introduction introduction to Def Leppard. I'd never heard of him until this album came out. And I had the cassette tape that I would put in my Walkman. <laughs> yeah. And I I would like, mm-hmm. I had my jean jacket. So you had the big pocket on the inside of your jean jacket. So I'd carry my Walkman in my jean pack jacket, listen to Def Leppard. And I had the crappy little headphones that come with the Walkman, you know, like, mm-hmm. like eh, rocking out to Def Leppard. It's, it's like, it's an album that, in my opinion, that you put on and you just crank it to 11 and just jump up <laughs> and down and scream at the top of your up top of your lungs to it. That's the uh, that's hysteria for me. They had some great harmonics too. They rocked, but they were like very harmonic about their rocking. Yeah. It was very different from their their previous albums. I should not too different, but quite different. I mean, they definitely were going for mainstream success on this album. And, and you, they succeeded uh-huh. and they definitely succeeded. And it was fine <laughs> with me. I don't care. Whatever. Go mainstream, guys. I like it. Was that it.
1: Was that the album that photograph was on?
0: um i think photograph was earlier yeah that was um okay Pyromania is that the name of the album that came out with before this that came out in 78 or 79 um and that one had photograph on it i i think we shouldn't be saying yeah
2: i I know it was earlier photograph was definitely earlier because my my cousin april listened to this like over and over and over again it had an animal and love bites oh the biggest one pour
0: some sugar on me that's what i'm saying that was a huge hit okay, oh yeah, yeah. and you're rocking out to and, you're, it on. Me. and back then when you're, the i was a kid i'm like yeah that's like breakfast cereal
2: <laughs> pour <laughs> some sugar on that action like not knowing what it really meant yeah <laughs> this
0: is this is what it was one of those songs too like you were talking about actually making a tape from recording it off the radio where you got the damn G- dj the talks, yeah. You know I had this you song know. on that mixtape yeah. that I made called I'm getting
2: it. I
0: yeah
1: get so it many day. great songs on this yeah yeah everybody remembers that experience of or everybody who remembers the 80s that experience of trying to make your own mixtape and cursing out the djs <laughs> shut up you totally
0: <laughs> djs stop talking I'm, i just want the song i don't care about you because
1: you waited all day for that song that's the wrong. other thing because you're waiting
0: yeah. right you like right. you know they're gonna play it but it's like when are they gonna play it and you got to be just waiting waiting okay record yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've definitely monopolized plenty of your time, Suzanne. Uh, so before we wrap up, again, once in a lifetime, where can people find it? And uh, where can people find out more about you if they want to track you down?
1: Uh, okay. Well, once in a lifetime is by Touchpoint Press. So you can find it on uh, the publisher's site, but it's also the Kindle is already available. Uh, the paperback is launching on the 24th of May, which is, you know, coming right up when we're recording here. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so it'll be out when people Amazon. hear this. Right. So that, that sounds good. So that you can find that on, on Amazon, or you can look, look me up, uh, Suzanne mataboni.com, uh, or once in a lifetime, and get all the backgrounds and, you know, some cool info about 1984 and, uh, and that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. uh, Check it out. It's it's the the title itself is based on the David Byrne song, which in the novel you mentioned, uh, you know, with the cure kind of lying on your back and looking up at the ceiling and saying, what the, how the heck did I get here? Well, that's Same where as that it ever song, was. yeah, exactly. Same <laughs> as it uh, ever was. <laughs> that's where that song kind of, what that song means to me. And that that's where the reference kind of comes from in the book, where the girls tape the lyrics to the ceiling and look at it. I looked at the book
2: cover, Suzanne, and literally <laughs> that song popped in my head. Once in a go. lifetime hey. I don't. You, you totally did it Good job Cool We're going to have Thanks. the links too In the in the show notes And on our podcast page People can go from there too Because we're going to link it all Next up one. It's
0: going to be linked up For Shizzle All right Well, thank you uh, for joining us, Suzanne And uh, Excellent Choice in Albums Thanks for listening, podcast listeners And like always, we are out of here Like musical albums That you can listen to from beginning to end Nowadays, just a bunch of downloadable and easily forgettable digital files, just like us. Goodbye.
1: Cool. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks so much for having me on here.